you know, so many people want to complain about this generation and about the entitlement and about the handouts and these sorts of things. Well, what are you doing to change that? Because I'm a firm believer right. in the fact that I think that young men want to please you. They, they want to do what you want them to do. And so what you expect out of them is what you're going to get from them. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is Jonathan Gellner. On today's show, we have on Clay Cox, head coach for Paris Junior College. Coach Cox and I dig in on how they develop baseball players, but more importantly, young men. He also takes us through what he looks for in potential recruits, and he shares with us some fantastic competitive situations and team building activities. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Clay Cox. Coach Cox, thank you for joining us on Ahead of the Curve. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited about this. I know we've had this scheduled for a while, and I've really been looking forward to uh, getting you on. I, I noticed that you are an avid ABCA chatter, so I I'm, have been really excited for a while to get you on the mic. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Sheets and them have really set the set the bar high with the ABCA chats. I think what they're doing to help grow the game, uh, what you're doing with this podcast, you know, I think in today's day and age, the ability to share information and the, the outlets we have to share information are have really grown. And so, you know, ABCA chats have really, we've picked up a lot of stuff from there. We've shared a lot of our stuff there. And so I'm excited to get rolling with this and see if we can give you anything worthwhile. I love it. Well, start off by telling us and uh, giving us a little bit of a snapshot of your background and how you got into coaching. Well, um, graduated from a little 3A town called West up by Waco. You know, always knew I wanted to do something in sports. Always felt like coaching was something that was a calling for me. Uh, you know, my mom raised me by myself from the time that I was seven years old. And so I didn't really have a father figure in the household. And, you know, uh, like like a lot of young men, I, I think that, you know, the, the strongest male figures in my life were my coaches. And so, you know, I just feel like if I can give back to uh, to some young men what they gave to me and, and the impact they had on my life, then I think that, you know, I, I'm making service of my time. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of an ability that being able to to do what what, you know, impact lives the way my my life was impacted, uh, I thought was something that I could go with. And so, um, you know, that's that's what got me into the game. And um, since then, we've just kind of been rolling with it. So did you play in college? And then how did you get to where how did you get to Paris? It's actually kind of a uh, – I took a different, a bit of a different track. Um, I actually worked with a football team at A&M when I was in school there and had some opportunities to go coach college football, uh, to go GA when I graduated from A&M. And I decided that I wanted to go the high school route. I wanted to be able to coach football and baseball. Baseball was my first love. Uh, growing up in a town like West, it was a baseball town. And uh, so I went to the high school route. I started my career as a 1A varsity assistant up in northeast Texas at James Bowie High School. And Coach football, basketball, and baseball, you know, all the way from the junior high through the varsity ranks. When you're at a 1A, you kind of, you're a jack of all trades. Right. And so, uh, went that route. After that, I, I had some more opportunities to go coach collegiate football. I just couldn't give up baseball. Moved over to Jacksboro as a head baseball coach, and I was 24, I believe, got my first head coaching job. Moved on to Rockdale after that, and uh, about five years into coaching high school ball, I just, I got to the point where I felt like, you know, I could give up football and I really wanted to pursue the uh, the collegiate baseball opportunities. And so the spring of 2013, I sent out probably about 300 emails, uh, you know, just cold calls looking for an opportunity, whether it was a GA, a volunteer job, uh, got a lot of no replies, got, a, you know, a few, hey, we're not looking, but, you know, you're on the right track. And uh, Coach Gary Rundles at the University of West Alabama emailed me back and we got in touch and 
uh, wound up hopping on his staff at UWA and uh, our second year there we were uh, it was a great year we were picked to finish sixth in the conference we wound up uh, actually winning the regular season and the conference tournament we hosted a regional uh, lost to the eventual national champion in Tampa uh, and my time was up. I had gotten my master's degree there and uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. I went back to coaching summer ball. I coached for three summers in the Texas Collegiate League with the Brazos Valley Bombers. Uh, so went into the summer kind of without a job, hoping to find one. And Coach Darren Clark here at Paris was looking for an assistant. I jumped on with him. Uh, one of the best years I've had, just the mentor that he was and, and the things that I learned in that year under his tutelage, uh, you know, and then after that, he left to take the head job at, or the uh, AD job, excuse me, at New Mexico Junior College and uh, opportunity fell in front of me to take over here at Paris and we've been rolling with it since and then going into our, my second year as head coach here. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been to West Texas a couple of times, and I always stop through for one thing. Can you tell tell our listeners what that thing is? Oh, uh, you stop through for kolaches, let me that, tell you now. That's exactly at check, right. At Check Stop, I'm imagining. Definitely. Man, those kolaches are so good. I don't I don't even know if people outside of Texas know what kolaches are. Well, it, you know, I'm I'm quite picky being from West. Uh, you know, what, what most of these donut shops call kolaches, I call uh, pigs in a blanket, you know. But uh, So I've got a little bit better of an idea what a true kolache is but if you hadn't had one you need to get one that's for sure definitely and it's west comma texas it's not like the entire <laughs> west area of texas we we call it the comma you know used to growing up you'd tell somebody well, i'm from west texas well we're at in west texas no west comma texas so <laughs> we just we, we refer to it as the comma now but a uh, great awesome. place to grow up man i absolutely loved it there well that's awesome well tell us about paris and tell us about you know what does it mean to be a paris dragon and what do you guys look for in potential recruits and players? You know, I, I think overall we want good young men. You know, we're here to build young men. And, and when they leave this program to be, you know, better contributing members of society. At, at the end of the day, uh, Andy Lopez said it best when he said, you know, I'm going to have more husbands and fathers in the world than I am major league baseball players. And so we want guys that we can help build into contributing members of societies, better husbands, better fathers. But, you know, as far as the, the attributes that we look for in guys, we look for guys that are that are dirt bags, that are bulldogs. We want the blue collar uh, tough nosed guys, you know, we're not the, uh, we're not the program that gets the blue chippers. Um, you know, we're not getting the big time division one kickbacks, but we want guys that want to fight, you know, and they'll fight at a drop of a hat. And our guys, you know, I, I think that we've always called them, uh, our kind of guy, you know, it's, it's not a tangible thing that I can, I can place my finger on. Uh, but we know when we see it, it's our kind of guy, coach Deggs down at, uh, Sam Houston calls them OKGs, you know, our kind of guy. And uh, just guys that are tough, that are willing to stick their nose in there. Uh, maybe they were a little overlooked in high school. Maybe they weren't quite the biggest guy or they were lacking a tool or two. Um, but, you know, we, we have to have bulldogs, I think, is the simplest way to put it. And so those guys that, that have grit can play for us. You know, we, we've had success with those guys in the past. Uh, a lot of guys that we sign are guys that, you know, maybe they don't have an offer or maybe they only had a couple. Uh, the team that we took to the regional tournament last year, we started six or seven freshmen on that everyday team. And most of those guys we had signed in June and July after their senior year, we had kind of cleaned house the year before. And so, you know, we just want guys that are willing to go out and compete uh, competitors. That's, that's the big thing. You know, we, we talk about it all the time, competition breeds success. And so if you're willing to compete, you're willing to stick your nose in it and go get it. Then I, you have a chance to play for us. Well, let's go ahead and dig into the personal development part. And it sounds like you guys are getting, like you said, some of the maybe late bloomers and developing them into better baseball players and better men. So let's start in the fall. What does a typical week look like for you guys? 
you know, for the fall, uh, one of the things that, that we love about it, we never have Friday class at PJC. So it's just Monday through Thursday. Uh, you know, obviously the guys like to hear that on the recruiting, mm-hmm. <laughs> recruiting trip. And, you know, so we usually go to class anywhere from, you know, eight to noon. Uh, we'll cut them loose. They'll get lunch. We'll usually JST, which is our jog stretch and throw around 130. At the junior college level, you don't have any time restrictions. Uh, you could practice some eight hours a day if you wanted to, but let's be honest, in today's day and age, you know, we're not getting anything out of them for more than three to four hours. And so, you know, I tell our guys all the time, I say, hey, I just need your, I need your focus for three hours today. You know, give me everything you've got for those three hours. I'm not going to keep you out here for five or six, but for those three hours, I need you to be locked in. And so, we usually practice till around 4.35. We'll cut them loose for dinner. Uh, you know, a couple days a week, we're going to have a study hall. And then, you know, once we get into the fall, one of the great things about junior college is, is that we're able to play almost an entire, you know, these, these freshmen come in, they play almost an entire high school schedule in the fall. Uh, so we ended up, I think we played 31 games this fall, counting our fall World Series. Um, so once we get rolling into that, we'll usually play two days a week. Um, and when you play, a, you know, a fall game with outside competition, it's usually an 18 inning day. And there's no break in between the nines. You're playing, you know, from the first inning to the 18th inning. So those days turn into five, six, seven hour days. But you know, that's kind of the typical um, rolling in through the fall season. We'll typically finish up right around the end of October. We'll have a best of five fall World Series where we name the captains. The captains draft the teams. They coach the teams. And we sit back. We let them go at it. There's a steak dinner on the line. Uh, and then we finish up with our Halloween costume game. And then we roll into the weight room. I know that you are you said you love Bulldogs. And I know you said that you love competition and competition breeds success. So how do you guys integrate your competitions into practices? One of the things for me, uh, I like to see guys work at, you know, we try to have an up-tempo practice. We don't try to get monotonous. We don't try to do the same thing over and over. I I can't stand when you walk out there and and you hit a ground ball and there's, you know, 20, 30 seconds in between and things are just slow paced. To me, if we can pick up the speed of practice and we can – get the heart rate going, get the adrenaline going, uh, and, and be able to make plays when we're, we're uncomfortable when our adrenaline's up, then we're going to be successful. We're going to be able to slow the game down when we get there. So there's a number of different drills that we'll use. Uh, even in our BPs, our Route 440 BP is one of my favorites. Uh, so a group of five guys has four minutes and 40 seconds to complete a series of tasks. And, you know, it's sack, sack, push, drag, hit and run, get them over, get them in. And so if Jonathan, if you're up there and, and you get your sack to first down, you get your sack to third down and you miss your push, you've got to take off sprinting around the outside edge of the infield and come back and get back in line. And the next time you go up, you've got it, you're on push again. And so your whole, your, your whole group is trying to finish that BP in four minutes and 40 seconds. And if you finish, then however much time's left over, we'll bank all that to the end. And then the guys that didn't finish get one more chance to try to, but just, um, you know, anything we can do to, to try to put competition in there, we'll, we'll go drills where, you know, um, five by fives, anything that, you know, third baseman against third baseman, shortstop against shortstop. You know, I want guys that come in and, um, you know, that's one of the things that's a little different about us this year is we have some more depth than we've had in the past. And so those guys competing every day, just in, even if it's just in, you know, taking GBs or, you know, what BP, whatever it may be, that guy knows that, hey, there's somebody behind me this year that can play. 
I've got to be on my A game every day. And so there's a number of different drills we like to work in there. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things we do um, that's a little different than everybody does an Omaha challenge or a Grand Junction challenge, but uh, ours is a six week challenge, you know, from the time that we finish in October until we leave for Christmas break, it's about a six week period. And Monday through Thursday, every day we have some sort of competition. We're not playing. We're, we're out of the fall season, but I don't want to not compete. So every day we compete in something. It may be jump rope. It may be penalty kicks. It may be rock, paper, scissors. Um, but we want to compete in everything that we do. And that Grand Junction Challenge, there's a number of ways to earn points for your team on and off the field in the community. And so those guys really get after it, you know. And, and at the end of the day, we come back together and we're one unit. But uh, we want to compete every day, whether it's, you know, like I said, it may be checkers, but we want to win. <laughs> Definitely. And so with the Grand Junction Challenge, and I know that we do it, and I know that there's a lot of coaches who do it as well, but tell tell the guys who don't do it why they should. Man, I, I think, like I said, obviously, number one, um, the opportunity to compete when you're not in a competitive setting. You know, everything we will have points given for the biggest uh, increase in bench and squat, the, the overall team with the biggest increase in their max uh, Everything is a competition, and, and obviously, you know, we want to compete. But two, for us, another thing that we do is you get points for volunteering out in the community. Uh, four more of your members of your team have to have to go to a community service event if you're going to do community service. And in this six week period, we're on track to set over uh, to do over 100 hours community service wow. within our baseball team, uh, and that's at the food pantry, the animal shelter, the elementary schools. Uh, we've raked multiple yards for the elderly that can't get out and do that. You know, we've done. Salvation Army uh, coat drives. And so, you know, I think just being able to get back and give to the community and, and be able to build those relationships, it's twofold too. You know, when you're out there doing those things, people want to come watch you in the spring. They, they build a relationship with these young men out in the community and they're saying, hey, you know, that guy raked my yard or that guy helped us at the food pantry, you know, and they come out and watch the game and build a, able to build a relationship with the community. And obviously the support from the community is, is huge, you know, especially at the junior college level. It's not like we're just putting out huge crowds in the spring. You know, it's obviously a lot of time it's friends and family. And so any more that we can get out just tell us. But, you know, we're, we're teaching these young men, too, that there's more to life than just baseball. And being able to give back is, is second to none, I think. Right. And are you guys basically the only show in town? I mean, I, I can't imagine Paris being a huge town. <laughs> we, as far as, as far as collegiate athletics, yes. Um, this is a baseball town. I do feel like there's a lot of good baseball programs. Uh, P high puts out a great, uh, great team every year. North Lamar, Prairie land. They're all very competitive in baseball. Um, you know, there's two or three world series rings floating around town. So, you know, there's a lot of baseball, uh, tradition here. And so we try to build off that. Oh, I love that. And and there's two things that I wanted to ask you about. One of them, uh, you posted on Twitter a couple of weeks back. It had the, the deck of cards. So can you mm -hmm. walk us through that? And then also tell our listeners about the cell phone challenge. All right. Well, my, my assistant, I'll give credit where credit's due. My assistant came up with a deck of cards. It's um, roulette squad. Roulette. It's an inner squad situation that we wrote down a different situation on each card in the deck. Uh, you know, runner on third, two outs, game winning run, uh, you know, OO count, nobody down, obviously, to start the inning or winning runs on second, one out. You know, we just we built a, all these different scenarios that we wanted to go through. And so instead of just going out there and playing an inner squad, you know, our pitcher would come in and he would the next pitcher up would draw a card and he's got, OK, I got runner on second, two outs. He's the tying run. 
And so, you know, our outfield knows, hey, we got to be able to throw this runner out. And he goes through and he tries to complete that task. Um, so you can do it a, a multitude of different ways. You know, you can go where the pitcher has to complete it two out of three times, or if he completes it, he moves on to another card and he draws another card out of the deck, you know, until he gets to his 20 or 30 pitches, whatever his bullpen is for that day. Uh, but it was just something kind of fresh to bring to the table uh, instead of just going out there and having an inner squad, you know, and sure. two. It worked on our defensive situations, but for me, you know, I'm a big base running guy. It gave us a lot of opportunities, you know, hey, look, you know, you're the tie and run. We've got to score on a base hit here. There were a lot of different situations we were able to work both offensively and defensively, um, and it was just kind of something fresh. The guys really loved it. They took it and ran with it. You know, Nate had been wanting to do that since last year, and we were sitting in the office one day this fall. We're like, hey, man, let's do it today. Uh, so I came home at lunch and wrote it down on some cards and brought it to brought it to practice, and they ran with it. So I uh, really enjoyed that. I think it's a great, great thing. Uh, I'd be willing to share, you know, if somebody has questions on it because I probably didn't do a great job explaining it right there. But then the cell phone challenge uh, is part of our Grand Junction challenge. And the players, each player on the team, so if you have seven members, all seven members have to turn in their cell phone for 24 hours. Uh, it's worth 100 points, which is a big swing. Uh, you know, and right now, of course, everybody's competing and they're, we're coming down to the wire next, or I guess this Wednesday night at midnight's the, the, uh, the end of the challenge. And so the other day, all five teams, all 31 guys on the roster turned in their phone. Wow. Uh, you know, now they're trying to keep up with each other. They can't let anybody get the edge. And so, uh, it's just an opportunity for us. You know, coach Clark did something similar in my first year here. Uh, every Sunday night when we got back to campus, uh, for weights, he would take up their cell phone for 24 hours. And during that time, you were paired up with somebody different every week. And the next day you had to come back and give two facts about that person that we wouldn't have known. Uh, and so it's just an opportunity for these guys to try to step away from, you know, the social media and the text messaging and just kind of, you know, be, be more collective as a group and hang out some more. And so, you know, we obviously, uh, you know, I had somebody ask me on Twitter, Oh, that's bad news. Somebody can't get a hold of them. Well, they know that before they turn in their cell phones, they have to text their parents. Hey, I'm turning in my cell phone. If you need anything, call coach Cox. And so, so they know they can reach out to me. So we cover our bases there. Um, you know, I don't want mom panicking because she can't get a hold of her son. Um, and so we have rules for it all. But it's a great opportunity for those guys just to, you know, they all live in the dorm together. And so they build that camaraderie. And I think that's a huge part of junior college baseball is the dorm life. Definitely. Well, you and I both have a, a mutual friend named Tyler Gillum. And, and Tyler <laughs> came on the, the podcast and talked about his program of growing young men and and you and I before we uh, started recording we're talking about uh, that that's a huge priority for you as well so why don't you walk us through besides you know the on-field competition which which obviously uh, grows the leaders talk to us about how you guys are going about that you know um, we don't have a classroom program we haven't implemented it like T has I'm interested in doing something like that I just haven't figured out the exact way I want to do it yet and so I'm, I'm working on trying to figure that out. But, you know, for me, it's a number of things. I was raised in a small town by my mama is is as good as gold and she's the best woman on the face of this earth and she raised me in what i think is the right way you know i say yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir please thank you i take my hat off when i walk in a building uh, you know and i think it comes down to manners and those type things i mean you know you won't see our guys in class with a hat on you won't see them in the cafeteria with a hat on when we get off the bus on a road trip to eat everybody leaves their hat on the bus you know they say please and thank you they're respectful of their professors uh they're 
well-spoken. They look you in the eye when they shake their hand. Um, you know, we just try to, I guess, raise guys in an old school way. You know, most of the guys that we have come from great families. And so, you know, their parents turn them over to us and we're just an extension of, of their parents. You know, for these two years, we're here to help raise them. You know, when I, I, I was listening actually to, um, to Eric Peterson's um, podcast with you earlier, you know, and he spoke about the four and 40. Um, and so, you know, it's a little different here with two for us, but, you know, we want those guys to, when they leave here, that people go, man, wow. You know, I had a coach uh, last year, a four-year coach. We had two of our guys on a visit and he didn't have to reach out to me after the visit, but he did. And he just said, Hey man, I just got to tell you, he said, your guys took their hats off when they walked in the building. They weren't on their cell phones. They were very attentive. They were well-spoken. And that's one of the biggest compliments I can get, you know, and, and it just went a long way for me. You know, every time we go eat somewhere, we, we went on five road trips this fall and every restaurant we ate at, you know, the cashiers were going, man, your, your young men are so well behaved. And, uh, you know, they better be, that's <laughs> what I sure. tell them. That's, you know, that's what we expect out of them. And I think that comes down to, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but, you know, so many people want to complain about this generation and about the entitlement and about, um, you know, the handouts and these sorts of things. Well, what are you doing to change that? Because I'm a firm believer right. in the fact that I think that young men want to please you. They, they want to do what you want them to do. And so what you expect out of them is what you're going to get from them. If you expect it, they'll do it. But if you don't set the bar and you don't give them those expectations, they're just going to go with what they want. So, you know, if, if you're complaining about it, and I know Tyler talks about this a lot, you know, what what are you doing about it? You know, it goes back to the John Gordon, uh, the, the no complaining rule and find a solution. But for me, it, it's about the simple fact of where you set the expectation, that's what they're going to give you back. Um, and so we set that bar. I mean, you know, they know that they, I better not see them in, in the classroom or in the cafeteria with the hat on. They know they better say, you know, to their professors, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, um, you know, I still get in trouble for it today. I get, <laughs> I'll have professors tell me, don't, don't you say yes, ma'am. I said, look, man, if I don't, I think mom's going to come around the corner and get me. So <laughs> I'm sorry. You're just going to have to live with it. But, uh, you know, we just try to, we just try to be an extension of what they were raised with. And, uh, you know, and just kind of, I guess, basically instill our, our beliefs and our, our thoughts on them. Definitely. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that every generation has talked about, well, this generation, this or that. And, and again, absolutely, th this, the generation that we're in is the most well-informed generation ever. And so mm -hmm. they may not mindlessly follow you. You may have to tell them why, but once they understand why, I think that they're more bought in. So let's go ahead and transition into the baseball development side. Now, again, you mentioned that you guys aren't getting blue chip prospects. You're getting dirt bags. And again, so how do you prioritize individual development of those players, but within the team setting of your 25 to 35 guys? You know, it's tough. Um, it's really tough for us because it's just me and my assistant coach. Man, we bring in 35 guys uh, in the fall, which is is a very small amount compared to a lot of junior colleges. Sure. Which is one of our was one of our selling points. You know, we only bring in 35 guys, so everybody's got a shot. But for us, it's kind of been a, about finding a balance of how we can get 
the individual work we need plus get our team setting. And I will tell you this, that I, I think all head coaches are, are firm believers in you're only as good as your assistants. And I think my assistant coach is the best pitching coach in junior college baseball. He's very structured, uh, very detail-oriented. I think Nate does an unbelievable job with our pitching staff. Um, you know, we've had to balance it out. We, he's really gotten into driveline, and I, I'm loving what we're doing with it. But we've had to kind of, hey, you know, we're going to have to bring pitchers in at this time. It's basically it's all creative. You know, we kind of came up with a plan this fall where it worked out really well. Um, you know, infield, infield's my passion, infield and base running. I love those two things. Um, so I really love working with the infielders. But I felt like at a lot of times our outfield was kind of getting getting the shaft, basically. You know, like, hey, man, you guys, you got to go to the cages. We're going to, you know, we got individual defense. And so what we started doing this fall is I would bring in uh, my, my infield and we would do our individual defense. Uh, I would stagger start basically. And then they would go get their cage work in while I worked with the outfielders who had just came in. And then when the outfield got done, they went and got their cage work in and I would bring the infield back out and do more of a team infield setting. And then we would come together for team defense, BP and move forward and so on. So we've kind of had to get creative on how we basically set everything up, but you know, it's worked out well for us. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in in repetition now it's got to be quality repetition so our infield stuff you know we go through our progressions every day our catch play routine is the same from day one to you know day 365 and so um you know i think that the guys coming in and buying into what we do and seeing the success that we've had over the last couple of years makes it easy uh these guys come in and want to work that's where we've been fortunate and we have guys that aren't scared to work um and so it's just about getting creative and doing those sorts of things and trying to figure out what's schedule works best for us to make sure that we can get that individual time with each one of our guys and then of course as we get into the off season and we're lifting for six days or excuse me five days a week for six weeks um you know then we kind of give them a few weeks off from baseball we step back and say hey man put the bat down put the ball down for a little bit let's go start getting stronger we'll come back to it and then we kind of break up into our you know four-on-ones basically in smaller groups so we can really get some individualized instruction in there got it Starting this year, it was it was a, a real test of my measure as a coach because I'm trying to start to quantify as much as I can. So I'm trying to start to measure literally every, everything that I can so I can give them not just an opinion of mine, but I can say, okay, so here's where you are compared to this and here's where you are compared to this. So what are some of your favorite things to measure as far as uh, as baseball goes? Oh, man. Um, you know, there's a number of different things. Um we're actually we'll have our exit meetings this week and we've got you know our all our stats laid out and you know where what you did what the team average was where you ranked on the team and those things i'll tell you that with you know nate's done a really good job on the pitching side of things of being able to quantify those things uh through the driveline program um and, and seeing the numbers there for us you know as far as what we want to measure, uh, the, the stats are, are telling to each one. You know, I'm not a guy who you see guys obviously getting away from batting average. I don't think batting average tells us everything we need to know. Uh, I want to look more at on-base percentage, you know, slugging percentage, those type things, who's driving in the runs for us. Uh, I really like, you know, I, we're, we're very uh, informative in the weight room. I think that for us, uh, the biggest thing is, is that we get a lot of guys in here that haven't truly been through a real weight program. And that's where we kind of revamped things last year and we put together a program that's really worked for us. And to see those numbers and see the jumps in the weight room, 
those are the ones that are fun for me because you see some guys, like mm-hmm. I said, that have never they've never truly seen their body change or been able to lift a heavy weight, you know, and all of a sudden they're going, oh man, dude, I'm pretty strong. And so, you know, though that's a fun one for us, obviously in the off season, just to see that the, uh, you know, that translates obviously to the work they've put in. And so to be able to get that actual number out of it, I think is huge for them. I love it. And, and we're seeing the same thing as well. I, it's kids are paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for lessons. And, and again, I give lessons, but half the time I, I want to go, man, you just, you got to get in the weight room and you got to get stronger. Absolutely. You got to get bigger. You got to, got to measure what your intake is. And so uh, I'm with you completely. Uh, one thing that I'm, I'm going to measure with the pitchers because pitchers like to gripe. Uh, I mean, pitchers are, are, they're, they're griping all the time about how they can't gain weight. And so I'm like, all right, we're downloading an app and we're going to weigh in every single week. You guys are going to track it. And every time you go track it, we're going to deduct points. I saw you mention that on Twitter the other day. And that's, uh, I love that, man. That's, you know, cause it is how many guys are, oh, well, I'm, I'm skinny. I, I eat all the time. I can't do it. Well, what are you doing about it? Are you actually, you know, are you just complaining about it? Or are you, are you getting up at three in the morning and eating a PB and J and drinking a glass of milk and having one before bed? You know, what are you, what are you doing? So I think, you know, putting that, uh, that responsibility on them, putting it in their hands. I think that's a big time, you know, that that's a big aspect of things. Right. Well, like you said earlier, if you're going to gripe about it, what are you doing about it? I just, I don't know if kids get enough protein. I know they think that they eat throughout the day and it's, but it's uh, the kids that I have that bring stuff into their classrooms. It's not, not nutritious at all. So uh, we're going to start <laughs> measuring that. I hope, I hope that it is, uh, it's beneficial, but yeah, I hope that that goes well. So that kind of goes right into, uh, to your measurement talk and, and what we we're talking about just a second ago. I, I know that most, uh, most teams have some sort of stamp that they have on their program. So what's something that unique that the Paris Dragons do that you think that there are some other teams that might not do? We're, we're truly a family here. You know, there's a lot of teams that are, that they, they talk about family. They, they say they are, but you know, at the end of the day, I got to get mine. And, and I don't think that's necessarily the case with our guys. I think our guys are all about the team. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to see these guys walk into campus in August. You know, I always joke because I go into the dorms that first week and every door shut, nobody's saying a word. And then I come in the next week and every door's open. Guys are zipping in and out of rooms, playing PlayStation, you know, giving each other hell. Um, but I think just the family atmosphere that we truly have, you know, that we're, you know, they're, they're a brotherhood. You know, they're going to fight at the drop of a hat for the next guy, the guy that's standing next to them. Um, and, you know, they're just, they're, the, the close-knitness that you leave here with. And I think that's a big part of junior college too, though, that, um, you know, you go through a lot of things in junior college that you don't go through in other places, and it just makes you tougher. But I think the family atmosphere that we have here, and at the end of the day, the brotherhood we have is second to none. Definitely. Well, I'd, I'd love to skip to the spring, but I can't tell you tell us about some uh, green light special stuff. Oh, green light special. Man, I'll tell you what, I we were chasing T and those guys for a long time last year and they finally just pulled away from us. You know, I, I love to run. I, I think that I had the same mentality when I coached high school baseball that, you know, when you got to put pressure on defenses, uh, especially at this level, you know, to catch and throw the baseball is not an easy thing. And so, you know, the more, the more pressure we can put on as, as T always says, pressure burst pipes, uh, you know, we're going to have success. And so I think for us, it, it's not so much necessarily a mechanical thing or, you know, this is what we got to do. I think it all starts with 
a mentality and they have to there has to be an aggressive mentality you know my first year here when I was coaching first base and you know guys would get the steal sign and they're oh I didn't get a good jump or they would never take the green light and and I think it goes back to guys are scared they're going to get in trouble for getting thrown out and that's not the case I have to explain that to guys from the from day one look you're not going to get in trouble. If you get a good jump and you get a good break and it was a good read and a guy, he, he catches it and throws us out, I mean, tip your hat to him. It's going to happen from time to time. But we have to understand that more times than not, it's going to pay off. Hey, just because you you know, you know got up there first AB, you roped a single and you got thrown out, that doesn't mean you can't try it the next time. You know, It's all about a mentality for us and preaching and aggressiveness and having those guys understand. You know, And then, and then finding ticks. You know, I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, guys starting to learn when they get to this level you know, that they can read the slide step or the leg kick and knowing when it, what, what's a good jump and what's not a good jump and finding tendencies, seeing if you can find a pre-pitch grip, anything like that that can tip us off. Um, but for us, it just all comes back to, hey, we've got to be aggressive and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be in trouble for getting thrown out because next time we're probably going to get it. Uh, it's kind of a little different of a thing. You know, we will we'll use a small ball game. Majority of our guys, you know, our outfielders are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six runners. We'll have six, seven guys that are sub seven in the lineup every day. We, we like to play with, with speed. And so, you know, uh, guys talk about a lot of the time, you know, Hey, I, don't get me wrong, man. Home runs are sexy. I love the long ball, but you know, I, I see some things on Twitter where singles suck. Well, you know, 138 times last year, a single turned into a double for us. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all about what fits, you know, and that's how we recruit. We recruit around speed and around the athlete. Uh, Gary Gilmore talked about it a couple of years ago at ABCA and he's one of my favorites. You recruit the athlete, you build the you build the baseball player, and so you know that's what we try to do. We try to build, you know, we try to find guys. We love multi sport athletes. Uh, we we can take an athlete, and we can work the fundamentals and, and build a ball player out of it. You know, you can't necessarily make a guy more athletic, uh, but you can make him a better baseball player. I love it. So we just left for winter break, and <laughs> when do you guys get back? What does preseason look like? Take us through the season. I mean, uh, just I'm just kind of throwing it all out there and, and take it how you want. Well, first off, leaving for winter break is the most nerve-wracking time of year <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, we've we've been in the weight room every day for six weeks with these guys. Five days a week, we don't miss it. You know, our coaches are in there. It's not one of those things. A lot of places, ah, oh, you know, go get your – Go get your lift in. No, we're in there with you. Our hands are on you. We're making sure that everything is being done with proper form. And it's easy to do when you've got 30 you know, thirty other teammates and your coach is there every day. So we send you home with that packet on winter break that's got every single lift in it for the entire break plus every day of your throwing program. But I'm not there to make you get out of bed. I'm not there to make you go to the gym and make you go do it. And so it's a nerve wracking time because you know how it is. Uh, you know, that's six weeks that we've used to build. We can lose that in a month very easily. And so uh, nerve wracking time of year for us. But we'll come back January 8th, which is a Monday. Uh, it's a week before school starts. We always try to bring them in both in the fall and the spring a week before just to kind of get reacclimated and, you know, get back in the dorms, calf, get all that stuff. And so. We get back, we'll throw one bullpen um, before we roll into our inner squads. And then we start, we get back January 8th and we start January 27th. Uh, we open up down in South Texas with uh, Coastal Bend and uh, Wharton this year. 
And so, you know, once we get back, it's basically the irons are in the fire. It's time to go. And so if you do take that month off and you're, you're playing catch up and it's hard to catch up in three weeks. But, uh, what, what we really love about the spring semester, which is another great thing that recruits love to hear about us is that we only take Monday and Wednesday classes. So what that works out for us is we typically play our midweek on Tuesday. We play conference on Thursday and Saturday. So it eliminates us from having to miss class for travel and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it also makes for when you finish up Wednesday at noon, you know, you've got baseball until next Monday. As long as you're taking care of your stuff in study hall, you get, you know, four days of baseball on the back end of things. And so we will we'll typically try to play Tuesday. And then, like I said, conference is Thursday, Saturday. We'll usually lift two days a week during the spring just to maintain uh, typically the day after games to get us a good flush in. And we'll try to take, we'll try to give them Sundays down if it's, if that's, uh, if that's feasible that week, you know, cause they're not getting any time down. Uh, and you know how that is when you play 56 games and these guys are used to playing half that. Uh, it takes a toll on the body. The hands start to get heavy, and so you need every breather you can get. But uh, we'll roll in through there. We we play 30 conference games. We play everybody in our conference six times, and then the top four go to the regional tournament. And uh, Hopefully we can get back there and make another run this year. So let's uh, hop into the advice section. And uh, one theme that seems like every coach that I've had on is they're a lifelong learner. They're always trying to get better. So what's the latest thing that you've learned that you're really excited about? Well, I'll tell you this. We haven't done it yet, but I've been really looking into uh, what Jason and those guys are doing at driveline on the offensive side of things. Right now, Tarleton is ahead of the game with all their driveline numbers. I don't know if you watch them or not, but oh, yeah. on Twitter, but offensively and defensively, the numbers they put out with Coach Conger and Buck are crazy. You know, 144,000 swings or something crazy like that. But then uh, I've talked with those guys down at San Jack. They've implemented it as well. Uh, I've got a meeting set up with Jason when we get to Indianapolis to speak with him. But that's something that we're looking into implementing come next fall. You know, I'm uh, I always, I'm always trying to grow. I'm always trying to, to better myself, uh, you know. But I will say that I'm also kind of an old school guy. I may not be the most progressive person in the world uh, when it comes to things like this, but my assistant is and what we've seen the, just the numbers and the great jumps that we've seen with driveline, you know, with the pitchers, uh, I think that it's definitely something we've got to look into and give our guys the best shot because, you know, at this point in time, if you're not doing these things and you're not progressing, then you're falling behind uh, because everybody else is starting to. And so, you know, you don't want to fall behind the curve, but I think, you know, as far as advice on that goes too, is that, uh, I think it was my first year coaching, or it may have been actually when I was in college before I even really got out and was coaching, but a, an old coach told me that, you know, the best ideas are stolen. And so, you know, everything that we have in our program, 90% of it was probably stolen. Now, we tweaked it and made it work for us, but, you know, we're always trying to pick brains. I, I'll sit down and listen to anybody, talk shop with anybody. Uh, one of my favorite infield drills that I tweet about, you know, I tweeted in one of the ABCA chats a few weeks ago uh, that got a lot of love was from uh, Adam Foster at Georgetown High School. Uh, we got his second baseman. He started every day for us last year. Um, he's back this year for us. But I watched him I watched him do this drill when I was down there recruiting, watching practice one day, and we implemented it the next week, <laughs> you know. So um, the best ideas are stolen and you've got to continue to grow because if you don't, you're going to fall behind. I love it. So I'm curious now, what was the infield drill that you guys stole? Can you take us uh, it's, Yeah, it's the rolled series drill. Uh, it's You've got three first base going. You're working um, four to five different rounds. Uh, it works a lot of things that you don't necessarily work in everyday uh, infield drills. 
You know, you've got your third baseman uh, off their knees doing the, the backhand dive, getting up and throwing. You've got your specials, which is your Jeter throw uh, behind the back glove flips. Guys get to literally a little fancy. They enjoy it. I've got it all written down. It's something that I'd have to send to you, but it's it's a great drill that there's a there's a ton of reps in it. And it's it's a fun drill that guys really get to get after it with. And it, it just incorporates so many things that you wouldn't normally just work on when you're, you know, you're taking GBs or hitting fungo. All right. Well, I will add that into the show notes for those interested. You can also probably uh, get his uh, Coach Cox's contact information here in just a minute. But, you know, we're consistently trying to learn and, and trying to grow ourselves. And what's something that you once thought was an absolute or thought that you truly believed, but you may have recently changed your mind about? I think a big one for me was that I had to do everything myself. Uh, I know that's just a personal thing, but delegating early on in my career was something that I had an issue with um, that I wasn't able necessarily to be. I thought I had to be at every bullpen and I had to be, you know, at, at every every cut in the cage. And I had to be in so many different places and you work yourself so thin. But I think that goes back to, like I said earlier about hiring great people around you. Uh, you know, I completely turn our pitchers over to, uh, to coach Lawrence and he does an unbelievable job with them. Uh, you know, I know that when he's on the road recruiting that, you know, I, he comes back, tells me the guy's a guy that we're going to offer, you know, so being able to, to, to trust the people you're around and being able to be around good coaches. I think that that's something that that's huge in this business, you know, but for me personally, that that early on as, as a head coach early in my career at the high school level, it was just hard for me to delegate. And I've gotten better about that because if I don't, I don't know if I'll make it too much longer. Sure. Well, hopping right into that, is that something, well, and you can't steal this one for the next question, so you got to come up with something different, okay? <laughs> All right. So what do you wish you had known before you became a head coach? You can take that. You said you were a high school head coach, which is what I aspire to be at some point in time, or a college head coach, or, or talk to us about both. I guess that uh, going back, you know, something that I wish I would have known beforehand that, that I do know now is just the ability to step back in the moment and, and, and relax and take a breath and reevaluate the situation. You know, I think early on as a young head coach and, and through some of the early years that I was just so reactionary to everything and, and, and I reacted instantly. And I think now that I can step back a little bit when a situation happens, whether it be in game, whether it be off the field, whether it be discipline and say, Hey, you know what? Step back, take a breath. Let's evaluate the situation. You don't have to. You don't have to do this at the drop of a hat, and then be able to come up with a better response. You know, I think early on that I was just so uh, instantaneous, and um, yeah, I've been able lately in my in my later years to be able to step back and just say, "Okay, hey, we can handle this. Uh, it's not the end of the world." Well, that's a great answer, and I and I think we all uh, are guilty of that in our youth, especially. I know I was. All right. So before you go, I would love it if you could throw out your, you know, three best resources, three best resources that have changed your life as a man, three best resources that have changed your life as a coach. Uh, just what what is what do you recommend to anybody who asks you this question? You know, um, I think that there's a number of great authors out there that um, I've read their stuff that I really enjoy. Uh, I think I've heard you talk about this one. I, Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you read Tools of Titans. Mm -hmm. I think that's an absolute great one. He's also got a uh, he's got a show on DirecTV that I record. He's got a podcast. I'll be honest, I, I love reading um, coaches' autobiographies. You know, guys like Bobby Bowden, 
you know, Urban Meyer, guys who have been successful, Coach K. Uh, I, I love reading um, – hell, Bear Bryant's one of my favorite ones that I've read. I love reading where those guys came from and the things they overcame and what they had to deal with early in their career and, and throughout the years. I think that's huge for coaches to be able to step back and say, hey, man, these guys, they're experiencing – they experienced a lot of the same things that I'm experiencing. And so to see that and how they overcame some of those things, I, I love reading the autobiographies. And then obviously, you know, for me, uh, I think Twitter is one of the biggest tools that's out there. Definitely. Uh, it's it's kind of funny because back in about 2012, I, I swore I would never have a Twitter. Um, you know, I thought it was the, the dumbest thing on the face of the earth. And then that spring, you know, the kids had kind of gotten off Facebook and I was at Rockdale and I wanted to be able to promote our program. And uh, I got a team Twitter that I kind of just got my own and ran with it. But the amount of information that's out there, now you've got to sift through a lot of stuff, too, sometimes to get to the good stuff. Um, but, you know, I mean, ABCA chats, podcasts like yours, things that are out there that, that there's just so much information that you're able to find at the, at the touch of a fingertip now that, that wasn't there, you know, just a decade ago. And so I think all those tools are great, great for the game. You know, I, I love jumping on the mower or, or going on recruiting trips and turning on different podcasts and just listening to other guys talk and seeing what works for them and maybe if it'll work for us. Definitely, and and if you can steal just one thing from any of that stuff that uh, that you're listening to, it it makes you a better person, makes you a better coach, and and so I think that definitely worth your time. I appreciate the shout out. I I hope that we're making a difference in uh, at least a small one in the baseball world, and and having great guests on such as yourself that are coming on to share a wealth of information. I mean, it just it it makes my day, and it's made me a better coach, and and I couldn't uh, I couldn't be more thankful to have guests on like yourself. Well, I appreciate you having me. I really do. It's uh, it's an honor. You know, you, you've had a lot of great guys uh, as I go through and listen to your podcast. There's a lot of big names on there. And, uh, you know, I, I just I thank you for what you're doing for the game. Um, you know, guys like you are what make this worthwhile and, and being able to spread the wealth and the knowledge that's out there. It's, it's, it's really enjoyable. I love it. Well, Coach, can you uh, give us some contact information? So if our listeners want to get in contact with you, uh, they, what's the best way to get in touch? Absolutely. Uh, Twitter, it's at Coach Cox, C-O-X-1-9. Uh, my email is C-C-O-X at parisjc.edu. And then my cell is 254-855-5453. Reach out to me however you'd like. I love talking shop. I know I probably didn't do a great job explaining a lot of our drills, uh, you know, over the airwaves, but there's stuff that I could send, you know, in person or email that, that would make things a lot, um, a lot more simple to look at. And I'd be glad to do that. Awesome. And I'm sure you'll have uh, several people reaching out to, uh, to talk some shop with you, but is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? You know, I think the, that I'll leave it at this is be where your feet are. Be where you're at now and be in the moment. You know, we talk to our guys about it all the time. So often, you know, when you come to junior college, guys are looking to transfer. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at the next step. Where am I going after this? Well, I tell them all the time, you have to be the best player you can be for Paris Junior College. And if you do that, the rest is going to take care of itself. You know, the, one of the things that we, we always say in our program is take care of the little things and the big things like winning, for example, will take care of themselves. And so, you know, if you're not in the moment and you're not where your feet are, you can't do those things. So just be in the moment, enjoy what you got, be there and, and go all in. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I hope you enjoyed the show and got something from our outstanding guest. If you're wanting to listen to past shows and get alerts for new ones, Ahead of the Curve is now available on the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association app, 
as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please consider writing a review or rating the show so other coaches can find and stay ahead of the curve.